Welcome to Oak City Church, a family of learners, lovers, and givers sent. For more information, visit us online at oakcitychurch.com. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Welcome to Oak City. My name is Dan. For the kids, yep, this is your time to leave. Thank you. Uh, So normally you guys would see the better looking Jeff Ramsey, but he gets the Sunday off, so you're stuck with me. I want to start you guys with a question. I want to make sure you're awake, making sure you're paying attention already. So if you're at home, you can still join in, Uh, but if you're here, I want you to raise your hands if everything in your life has gone exactly as you have wanted it. Everything is planned. Anybody? Anyone? No. Okay, so you are paying attention. Thank you. let me ask you this then, you don't have to, don't, no, no show of hands, but think about what percentage of the things, the issues in your life are self-inflicted? What percentage? Things that you wish you could go back and fix. And then think about what percentage of those things are caused by someone else. For example, maybe your parents got divorced. As you think about that, in all of those, God is faithful. All right? So let me... We're going to come back to those questions, I promise, later on today. We're going to make a little more sense. But what I want to do is I want to just give you an idea of where we're at. This is week 10 of the E100 Bible reading and the Connect the Dot series that we're in. So if you're reading along, you made it, you're halfway there. Congratulations. If you haven't done it, this is a perfect time. We're about to start in the New Testament, so you can join in. So no excuses. Let us know if you're not. Uh, there's some great comments and questions on the Uversion app, so we'd love to have you part of that community. And I'm going to make one more plug. I'm going to make a plug for our home groups. I know we've had COVID, so our groups are kind of doing a hybrid where they're meeting virtually or they're meeting uh, in person some. Well, the weather's about to get nice, which is awesome for North Carolina, so now's the time to get plugged in because our home groups are going through this series as well. So we'd love to have you. If you have questions, you can email me. It's really simple. Ready? Dan at oakcitychurch.com. Email me, and let's get you connected, okay? All right, so with that, I want to kind of give you just a roadmap where I want to hit go today, okay? There's three main points. So I want to start with what is a prophet and really why were there prophets? So the what and the why, okay? Then I want to move into look at Daniel and how he was faithful. We're going to look at really two prophets today, but I want to see how Daniel was faithful and how he developed a life of dependence on God. And then the third point that I want to walk us through today is the fact that God was, God is, and God will always be faithful, And those questions I asked, I want us to think about how God is still faithful despite our issues. So let's pray. God, we thank you that we can be here in person. We thank you that we can worship, that we can just see, really, the miracle of baptism uh, for your name. So God, I pray you speak through me, through your word today, that it's not me, but it's you, and that you get the honor and glory and the praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So I'm going to start right into it. What is, what is a prophet? Let me tell you, a prophet is not a fortune teller. The prophet's job is not to tell future happenings. But actually what a prophet was was somebody that had an encounter with God, that God called them to go and speak on his behalf. So why did we have prophets? So if you've been following along in our reading plan, we started all the way in the beginning in Genesis, and then we've moved into, really, we focused on the rise of the nation of Israel. And they wanted a king, so they got King Saul and then King David. And then they had what we call the fall of Israel, and then we had King Solomon. 
excuse me. And then from there, Solomon had lots of wives, which led to lots of kids. Lots of kids leads to lots of division because they all want to be in charge. And then the nation of Israel splits. They're still the nation of Israel, but they have two kingdoms. They have up to the north, Israel, and to the south was Judah. Uh, I could spend all day talking about it. I'm not going to, but check out First, Second Kings. Check out the Chronicles. Uh, there's some awesome, just really crazy stories, and you can see that some of the kings did really good, and then some of them did really, really bad. And that's why God raised prophets. Like basically, to call those people of Israel and say, hey, you're making mistakes. You were running from God. You need to repent, so God wants to be in a relationship with you. They had a covenant. They had a promise. So prophets' job were to call people back. Now, if you read through the prophets, there are some really awesome passages in, throughout the prophets. There's some of just like, what are you doing? There's also some of hope, right? There's some of understanding who God is. So up here on the screen, we should have Isaiah 40, verses 28 and 29. So the prophet Isaiah writes this. He says, have you not known, have you not heard the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. There, think about that. The creator of the world does not get tired. He can handle our issues, and he gives us strength. There's a lot of hope. Well, there's some really weird things in the book of the prophets as well. Isaiah is a great example. So the prophets, because they would give messages to Israel, often Israel didn't want to hear anything. It's easy to shut them down, just stop listening. So they did these things called symbolic acts. And this is where it gets a bit weird. So they did, they, the symbolic acts were their visual aids, their tools. So Isaiah, he walked around naked for three years. But I'm not a prophet. I'm glad I don't know anybody that walks around naked for three years, so I'll leave it at that. But he did that because he wanted to highlight the humiliation of Israel going into exile. There's some other weird ones. I'll save you from those, but check out the prophets because there's some really great stuff in there. Um, but I want to digress. I want to set the scene for where we're going to be in today. We're going to be in the book of Daniel. If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn there. If you have your Bible app, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. But I want to set the scene of how we're, where we, we're going to start. So Babylon invades Israel. And it says in Daniel chapter 1 that they actually took people that were of royal descent, that they were educated, nobility. So Daniel is, falls in that category. He was educated. He was 17 years old when he's taken from his home. Now think about exile. A 17-year-old is thinking about college, thinking about probably not work, right? Um, thinking about food, right? Comforts. Daniel is taken away from it. He's going to lose all of those. Not by his choice, but just the result that Israel's being taken to Babylon. So Daniel has all this, the process. Well, he has three friends. Some of you may know his friends by their Babylonian names. They are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so the, these four guys are in Daniel chapter 1. There's a little controversy here. It says in, in verses 3 and 4 that they were put in charge of the chief eunuch. Some people argue that Daniel and his friends became eunuchs. The Bible doesn't say. I don't think we need to worry about that. But I want to highlight that things are not going well for him. If I asked Daniel if things were going out, he would not have raised his hand as well. So in, in Daniel chapter 1, just to help you understand this, uh, they are being fed meat of the king and wine. A lot of scholars believe that that wine was w used as worship to idols, so it was sacrificed and they were getting it. 
So Daniel and his friends decide not to. They want to keep their allegiance to God. So they say, we'll eat vegetables and drink water. Like I said, things are not well when you're eating only vegetables and water. I'm going to probably get in trouble for that one. Um, But that's okay. It's a joke. It is a joke. So I want us to think, though, if you are his three friends, they make this stance. They say, we are going to keep our allegiance to God. So they have three things, a couple options they can do when they're in Babylon. The first is this. They can say, hey, we're going to run from Babylon. We're going to resist. We're going to fight Babylon. And they don't do that. The other option is what a lot of Israelites did is they're like, well, when in Rome? Well, in this case, when in Babylon? So they became like the Babylonians. They took on their names. They dressed like them. They even followed their same religion. They did, their allegiance was no longer to God. That could be an option. But Daniel and his friends don't do that. They said, by not eating the meat, God is our king. He's our allegiance. So what they do is what the prophet Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 29. What he tells, as the people are being taken in the exile, Jeremiah says to go and go. God is sending you there, so you will go. Produce, grow and eat of the produce. Jeremiah tells them to you know, marry and have sons and daughters and then give your sons and daughters and continue to multiply. But what he says this in 29.7, he says, but seek the welfare of the city. This is where God... I, God, have sent you in the exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. So what Jeremiah is calling them to do is to see to the welfare of the city, to the people, but keep their allegiance to God. And that's what you see Daniel and his friends doing. They made that stance that God was more important than the food they ate. If you get a chance, check out Daniel chapter 3. I don't have time for that today, but check it out. The three friends are told to bow to this idol of the king. They choose not to. They're thrown to a fiery furnace. And I'll leave it at that. Read Daniel chapter 3. So here's where we're at. We're in Daniel chapter 6 now, okay? Daniel, I want to set this. You don't get this in the children's books. He's 70 years old. This is his third king. All right, he is 70. And it says this. So I'm going to paraphrase the first three verses. It says that the satraps. So the king decides that he's going to set these satraps. There are governors or judges, 120 of them, over the whole nation. And then out of the 120, he's going to have three. And number two in charge is going to be Daniel, second to the king. And it says in the Bible, it says that he had an excellent spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. So we see the seven-year-old man who is filled with the Holy Spirit being set as number two over the nation. It's a big deal. It's a big honor. The other 120 guys are not going to like that. So let's pick it up in Daniel verses four and five. And it says this. Then the high officials and the satraps, so those judges, those, those counselors, sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find uh, any fault or ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So I want you to take a second. He's 70 They found no fault. Now, this past year, we just went through an election cycle. Sorry to bring it back up. Maybe you were under a rock. Maybe you just want to forget it because all those political ads, the fighting. Now, think about if Daniel was a, today, seven-year-old man, and they said, if the opponents and even the media said, we find no fault, would we believe it? That's Daniel. And it says, the Bible that says it wasn't because he was perfect, it's because he was faithful. 
And he was faithful to what the prophet Jeremiah said to seek the welfare of the city where God has sent him. So, of course, they find fault with his religion. So let's read in verse 6. Here's how they respond. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. Now, I'm a dad of three kids. So my dad sense goes off. Like if my three kids are like, hey, world's best dad. It's your favorite son or daughter. If they come, my ears are like, all right, what do you want? Or what did you do? Now, some of you are shaking your heads and you don't have kids. So you're like, yeah, I do that to my parents. We can talk about that another time, all right? But that's, that's what they do. Now, they do play a little bit on the king's pride. We're going to see that, and this is what they say. And they say, all the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god, so petitions prayer, any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. Now, O king, establish this injunction and sign the document so it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document injunction. So that part about the Medes and the Persians, Babylon has actually now been taken over. So the Medes and the Persians. So there is some scholars that believe that this king thinks this great law that the people are going to really rally and unify over by praying to him. I think we see that today. We think that by having certain laws or rules, we can fix problems. So, Daniel, being number two in charge, he knows this is going on. These guys are smart. He can't run to the King Darius and say, hey, you're a really good king, but that whole praying to you, like, how do you make that sound nice? Hey, king, you're really great, but we, we can't pray to you. So they're smart about it. So Daniel's got a couple options. His first option is to say, hey, I'm, I'm 70. Retirement, baby. It's been good. I've worked hard. I got some land I can leave. He could do that. Or Daniel could say, hey, you know what? I have been faithful to God. So why don't I fake praying to this king? Or maybe I can pray to this king. God will forgive me. I think of a modern day, we often say that our faith should be private and not public. I can love Jesus with my heart, but nobody has to know about it. He could do that. That thought may have crossed his mind. But let's see what he does. His, his response in verse 10 says this. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to God as he had done previously. It was business as usual. He went to God in prayer and worship. He knew that it would cost him. He knew that he needed to be faithful to God because his allegiance was to God. To me, that's really, the, the point is that Daniel is faithful. He made that stance to say, God, you are it, and I will be faithful regardless of the cost. He could have gone the easier. He could have gone and hidden in his closet. He could have prayed quietly. But he chose to continue his habit of prayer because he chose to depend on God in every aspect. So growing up as a kid, 
I remember in Sunday school, I learned this great song called Dare to be Daniel. And my name's Daniel. I went by Dan because it was shorter. And I was like, I know that. That's great. And well, I'm not going to sing you the song, I promise. I want to just say the lyrics. Uh, and I looked it up recently. The tune I had in my head as a kid was way better than what it sounds like now. Um, but it says this. It says, dare to be Daniel. Dare to stand alone. Dare to have a purpose firm. Dare to make it known. I had to learn real quick that having the name Daniel and knowing that song did not make me faithful. And it doesn't make us faithful. So how can we be faithful to God? I want to give us two ways here on how we can be like Daniel, how we can be faithful. The first one starts with prayer. Now to help highlight this, I want to bring in Jonah. I want to compare and contrast Jonah to Daniel. So I'm going to paraphrase Jonah. Jonah's four chapters. If you put it up on your YouVersion app, you can listen to it in I think 10 minutes, all four, the whole book of Jonah. And so what happens is Jonah is called by God. He's not forced to leave. He's called by God to go to Nineveh. Israel's, the Israelites, they hate Nineveh. They are some wicked people. So Jonah says, I want nothing to do with Nineveh. So he hops on a ship and goes the opposite way. So God then sends a storm, and Jonah's trying to sleep through it. The sailors are afraid their, their boat is probably going to sink. So Jonah finally convinces the sailors to throw him overboard. And he's like, well, hey, if I die, I don't have to go to Nineveh. Someone else can go. And so God rescues Jonah by sending that fish to him. As he's drowning, at the last second, God rescues him. And in chapter 2 is the first time we see Jonah pray. It takes Jonah being in the belly of this fish before he says, God, I need you. And as much as I want to be like Daniel, I am convicted because I am like Jonah. So often I try to do it on my own. So often prayer is after I've tried it and then I'm like, hey God, can you fix my mistakes? Daniel prayed three times a day. He knew the cost. And I think Daniel helps model how Jesus prayed. See, Jesus in his ministry on earth, he prayed in every aspect. He, he prayed not just to talk to God, but to listen to God. It says in, uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. Now, when we say pray without ceasing, I don't think it means to pray 24-7. What he's meaning is, in every aspect, we should go to God in prayer. Jesus did that. Jesus, Jesus prayed alone. He prayed in public. Jesus prayed before meals. He prayed before he healed. He prayed after he healed. He prayed before every big decision to do God's will. So we see Daniel model that aspect of prayer, that we are called to follow. And I think about how much different my story would be if I would go to God first in prayer. How different my relationship with my wife, with my kids, with my work, my coworkers, if I started and ended with prayer. How much different would Jonah's story be if he had started with prayer instead of waiting till he was in the fish to turn to God for prayer? I think the next thing that's super important for us, and we're trying to do that here at Oak City, is being in the Word. That's why we're doing this Bible reading as a church. That's why we started in January. It's why we encourage you to be in the Word. Last week, we were reading in Psalms and Proverbs. You could just see the wisdom and the knowledge. You could see just the character of God in, the, in, in that. And in this past week, even Jonah, in chapter 4, he says, after he goes to Nineveh, and he says, God, I didn't want to go, and here's why. He says, because Jonah knows God's character of his head. He says, God, I know that you are a gracious God. 
You are merciful and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah knew God's character, was happy to have God's grace and love for himself, but not to give it to anyone else. And I fi- again, I find myself being like Jonah. I know God's character, yet I don't want to share it with others. Daniel knew the character of God, and yet he looked to the welfare of the people of Babylon. And I think it's because he had experienced the, ca- the character of God. Not only did he know it with his head, he knew the character of God with his heart. And because he had that experience with God, he shared that with those around him. C.S. Lewis writes this. He says, We come to Scripture not to learn a subject, but to steep ourselves in a person. So that person is Jesus Christ. We started in the very beginning in Genesis. We're going to go all the way through Revelation. And the whole Bible points to our need for Jesus. The Bible points to the fact that as nobody here, none of us raised our hands that life has gone exactly as planned. We need Jesus. Now the Bible doesn't say if you do all this, your life is going to go as planned. Your life will be perfect. It doesn't say that. The Bible points to our need for Jesus. I want to pick it up back here in verses 12 and 13 of Daniel. So verse 11 says that they, had, they, of course, knew that Daniel would be praying three times a week. They went and saw him. So now they go to the king, and this is what they see. Say, then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? Again, as a parent, I hear my kids, Hey, dad, didn't you say if Josiah throws... Or, Dad, didn't you say if A.B. spits, right? I hear my kids, and here they are, coming to the gang. Hey, didn't you say this? So the king says, uh, answered and said, the king, that thing stands fast according to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. So here's how they respond. Then they say, then they answer and said before the king, Daniel, hey, that Daniel, who's one of those exiles from Judah, that, that guy, yeah, he, he pays no attention to you, king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Daniel, who has been faithful to God, who is seven years old, taking the captivity in the exile, not by his choice, who has been faithful, is now going to be sentenced to death as a result of his faithfulness. Things are not and continue to not go well for Daniel. Daniel doesn't have a lot of options here. He's sentenced to death. He can't, he's 70, he's not going to run away. He missed his chance to retire. So he's got two options. He either believes that God is faithful, so if he dies, that he will be faithful and he'll see Jesus that day, or that God will faithful, be faithful and rescue him. That's his two thoughts. So verse 16 and 17 says this, and here's what the, then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast in the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually, and I added the word faithfully, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Here you can see Daniel's similar to Jesus. He's not Jesus, but he's similar in a couple of ways. Let me highlight. First, Jesus and Daniel are both filled with the Holy Spirit. Daniel, being like Jesus, is the leaders of that day and age falsely accused and sentenced him to death. Daniel, who has done nothing wrong, just like Jesus, is also sentenced to death. Daniel, like Jesus, has a stone seal, in this case, the den versus the tomb, 
But that stone is put in place. And there's one more I want to highlight for you, which brings me to my third point here, is that Daniel, like Jesus, was confident that God would be faithful. Daniel, like Jesus, was confident that God would be faithful. Even though there's no way anything good can come out of the situation, both of them were faithful that God was faithful. They trusted. That was their hope, and that's what they put their faith in. So think about those characters real quick. Those guys that falsely accused Daniel, their hope is in themselves. Man, we got this great plan, and we're finally, we're sticking to Daniel, and we're getting rid of him. Their faith was in themselves. King Darius doesn't have faith yet. It says that he spent the whole night, he fasted, and he was worried. He did not sleep. But let's look what happens to Daniel in verse 19. It says this. Then at the break of day, so that morning, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. So he is running. As he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? He's probably yelling this on his way. Daniel, are you good? Are you okay? Then Daniel says to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Because Daniel chose to be faithful, but because God was faithful, it gets highlighted and shown the King Darius because of God's faithfulness. I want to point out um, the king's response here in verses 25 and 20 through 27 says this. Then King Darius, so here's his response to seeing God's faithfulness. The guy who didn't sleep all night because of the law that he put in, the practice. He writes to all the people, the nations and the language that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring, for, enduring forever, and his kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, I want to compare and contrast Jonah. And before I do that, I want to make one quick point. In verse 24, we always leave this out of the kids' books, but those guys that had faith in themselves, the result of them was they were them, their wives and their kids, were thrown into the pit of the lions. And it says that before their body, their bones hit the ground, they were devoured because they had faith in themselves. So and I want to look at Jonah real quick and just compare and contrast Jonah again to Daniel. Jonah was called to leave. He wasn't taken out as long. He was called to leave and he chose not to. Jonah knew God's character, but he only wanted God's grace and mercy for himself and not for anyone else. Daniel cared about the people of Babylon it's how he was found to be 70 without blame, without fault. He cared for the well-being. Jonah didn't care. One is faithful, one's not. But here's the amazing part. is In both of those, God is and was faithful. God was faithful to Nineveh. He was faithful to the sailors who knew, didn't know him, who after throwing Jonah in the water, the storm stopped, and they worshiped God, and they realized he is the living God. 
So despite Jonah not being faithful, God still was. Daniel was faithful, and God was faithful. I know for me, I want to be more like Daniel, but often I find myself more like Jonah. So I go back to that question, how much of those issues are self-imposed? How many of those issues are imposed from someone else's issues that I have to deal with? I don't think that it matters as much because God is faithful. And you might be sitting here and say, hey, Dan, how can God be faithful? I did nothing wrong and all these people's issues are now on me. Or, hey, I didn't know better, so how is God faithful? So if you don't hear anything, let me please hear this today. You may feel alone, isolated. You may feel like you're in exile. You may feel like nobody can relate or understand what you've seen, what you've been through, how you're hurting, but Jesus can. Jesus, who was equal with God, came down to earth. He lived a perfect life. He was faithful here on earth without sin, yet he was falsely accused. He was sentenced to death. He was beat, whipped, spit on, mocked. He was hung on a cross. And as if the cross wasn't enough, God poured out his wrath. He poured out our sins on the Jesus on that cross. And so much that God could not even look at his son. That prophet who uh, walked around naked, Isaiah, here's what he says in Isaiah 53. Verses 3 and 5. This is written several hundred years before the time of Jesus. This is what he writes about Jesus. He says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. Upon him was the chast, oh, but he was pierced for our transgression, he was crushed. For our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and by, with his wounds we are healed. Jesus was faithful to the point of death. Jesus knew that you and I could not be faithful enough on our own. That despite having the name Daniel and having a great song, we could not be faithful. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So today, if you are here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you do not have a relationship, I would love to talk to you. So would John and Jeff and others. If you are online and you're not, you're not here, reach out to us. There's a Connect card. Let us know. We would love to talk to you about how you can know Jesus, how he is the one that will always be faithful. I'm going to sum up today with this summary from the Bible Project. That's what they had to say on Daniel. They said the pattern in Daniel is that all humans in their kingdoms become violent beasts when they glorify their own power, when they redefine right and wrong, and they don't acknowledge God as the one true king. But the promise that one day God will confront the beast, God will rescue the world and his people, the book of Daniel should motivate us to faithfulness. So my challenge to us today is to make a life that depends on God in every aspect. Through prayer and through reading the word, get to know him on a personal level. Know that God is gracious, that he is slow to anger. He's merciful and he's abounding in steadfast love. Know that God chooses us to share his love, his grace and mercy with those around us. 
I urge us to seek the welfare of the city that God has us in. To seek the people around us. To share his love and truth and grace. And, and lastly, know that despite the issues that you cause or someone else cause, and that you have to deal with it, despite all of those, God is faithful. And he will be faithful. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are faithful. That you know that we couldn't do it on our own. That we need you and that, God, that you long to know us on a personal and a by name. Jesus, I just I thank you for your word and, and for, for the hope and for the peace that is found only in your word. God, I thank you that you expose our, our need for you in our hearts. And God, that you long to heal our hearts. I pray that we as a church, that we would seek the welfare of the city that we're at, that we would pray for it, that we would seek people to get to know and experience you, Jesus. We pray this in your wonderful name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.